the way it had been described to me of extending my consciousness into a seventh dimensional state of affairs, mm-hmm. moving, projecting into that level of consciousness, was not how I did it. In fact, the challenges, and I have had several challenges in how I channel, has always been to actually realize it's a lot simpler than that. Yes. I don't have to do the rituals or this or that. I don't have to take myself to seventh. I do have a few things I kind of connect with when I uh, move into a state of consciousness where I can channel cosmic awareness. Mm -hmm. But it's not a ritual thing. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain, Awakening Consciousness and activating all you fabulous difference makers and light workers out there. So great to be with you again. I have another fascinating person to introduce you to today. His name is William Berlinghoff, or Will, he likes to be called. Will is Canadian. And he is a channel, a teacher, a medium, a channel, you know, one of those delicious types of people who has been channeling a stream of consciousness who calls itself Cosmic Awareness for around 11 years. Welcome to the show, Will. So great to have you on the show. Hello, Karen, and thank you for having me on your show. You're most welcome. Now, Will is Canadian met a delicious Australian woman and is now living in Australia in a little country town. Well, I don't know, country town, but a town underneath Perth, which is one of the largest cities in Australia, in Western Australia, which is on the other side of the world almost to me. It's on the other side of Australia to Sydney. It's about as far away as we can get, I think. (laughs) It's on the one landmass. Australia is a very big place. So Will is now living in Australia. We're going to hear a little bit about Will's journey, how he came to meet Cosmic Awareness, and then we're going to introduce you to Cosmic Awareness and ask a few questions. So, Will? Great. How did it all start? What was happening What sort of questions were you asking to bring about this spiritual awakening or awareness? Well, I think the first thing I have to start with is that for me, this is not something that's just opened up in the last three, four years or last decade. I actually have been working with this, not the energy of cosmic awareness so much, but as a spiritual seeker, looking deeply 
within myself for those answers of who I am, what I am, where do I come from, all of that kind of thing that so many have. In fact, I could honestly say that I have been seeking spiritual awareness and understanding since my childhood. Specifically at age 14 was the first time I ever read a book about tarot. It was actually a story and contained within the story was this journey this young woman had and she discovered the tarot and everything. And at that time in uh, Midwestern Canada, very conservative Bible Belt of Canada, that area at that time. This would be in the 60s, folks. (laughs) Dates me, I know, but still. I'd never heard of the tarot. I didn't know anything about it, but I was already interested in in such things. It took another five years. I was actually in my first year university where I found my first tarot deck at the university bookstore. And I, I bought it immediately. It wasn't very helpful. It was called the Marseille Pack. And I'd seen another deck in books that uh, I wanted to get, but I started with that one. And that began the journey for me of 30 plus years of doing tarot. And I taught myself how to read. And it quickly became apparent to me that I wasn't satisfied just with the textbook definitions of what a card would mean. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, I was just giving people what I was getting from it. Yeah. And they found that much more meaningful to them then, oh, the death card means this, and you know the hermit means this, and all that. I did that for thirty plus years, half of which was as a professional tarot reader. So from the seventies, when I first got a hold of my first deck, till two thousand and five, yeah, I was very involved with the tarot. But at the same time, I was also partaking in life. I was going on the journeys. I met people who had similar interests. I left Canada the first time to live abroad on my own. And so I've actually lived for many years outside of uh, Canada. Coming to Australia is the third journey I've made to a foreign Where were you living before? Well, after I finished university, I did graduate uh, with a degree in psychology because that was the closest I could find to help me understand such weird things, and yeah. it failed miserably. Yeah. So I, I moved to Germany because my father, who was in the Canadian military at that time, was posted there. I was finished university, mm. so it meant I had time before I got started in a career. Mm. Luckily, the girl that I was seeing at the time dumped me, biggest <laughs> favor she could have done to yeah. me. Because it it put me back on track to a plan I had from 10 years previously. Yeah. I said uh, when I moved to Germany, that was the first time on my own. But 10 years earlier, in the 60s, my father had been stationed there. And the family had lived there for a year and a half. And we have many relatives there. Because my father actually is German, was German. He's passed. And my mother was Austrian. So for our family to go to Germany meant we got to meet our German relatives, our Austrian relatives, I got to see Germany. And I actually made a promise to myself more than anything that I would return back to Germany 10 years in a decade. And that's exactly what what happened. I finished my university, got dumped, as I said, and it was suddenly like, well, I always wanted to go back to Germany. So I did it. It turned out to be eight years. Wow, eight years. Eight years exploration, I love it. I just wanted to come back to the tarot. I was just thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, so many people who are waking up to their own inner guidance are using cards. You know, back then, 30 years ago, all we had was the tarot. 
Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Doreen Virtue was one of the pioneers. She started bringing yes. out her cards and now there are cards galore. I remember Absolutely. I had an idea to write some cards and I sent the idea to Hay House years ago and they said, yes. oh, my God, it's like sending coal to Newcastle, you know, like it's an expression we have in Australia. We've got yeah. too many cards. Please don't send us any more cards. Mm-hmm. But people use the cards to find that inner guidance and yet they're skimming through those little books and reading what the card means. And I remember when I was first tuning into my own guidance, you know, not mm-hmm. looking at the book and, and just using one word because her first cards, Doreen's first cards, were just like one word like peace mm-hmm. or love or guidance, mm-hmm. just one word. And mm-hmm. that one word was enough to spark my own inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that was such a beautiful journey. And then eventually you put the cards down and you don't need the cards anymore. You just you right. just ask the question and then you have that connection to your inner knowing. So that's right. Great yeah. way to start. It's a way yeah. a lot of people start. Yeah. And I had a natural trust right from the beginning mm-hmm. to go with what I was picking up on. Mm-hmm. I remember in those very early days, I would read the little message for the card that was contained in a book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I go, Well, that's okay, but Here's what I'm feeling about it. And I'd give forth what I was receiving. Mm-hmm. And the people I read for then, and I, I read 16 years just for friends and family and acquaintances before I ever did my first professional reading in 86. And I always thought, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I did begin to trust it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Trust. trust. It doesn't mean you have to be right or wrong. Yeah. You're just getting something. Trust that what you're getting is what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And I learned to do that very, very naturally on my own. And that formed for me the basis of, of working with intuitive perception. Mm-hmm. So that when I was doing it professionally, I used the cards, but they were only a tool for me. Mm-hmm. Because it was more for the, the client themselves, they could see a visual. Mm-hmm. Here's these cards. And then I was able to string them together. I did find a deck I loved. That was the Arthurian deck. Mm-hmm. and I have a real love of King Arthur and the Arthurian legends, and I was able to incorporate that into a practical, on-the-spot, in-the-moment approach to doing readings. And I was already then channeling. I just didn't recognize it. Yeah. I was not quite there yet, not quite ready yet. So many people are waking up to the channeling thing, you know, like I, I suppose 30 years ago, well, Jane Roberts was the first mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know if she was the first channeler I heard of, but she was the first books I read anyway. This mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back then, that was a while ago, 20, 30 years ago, it was such a strange thing. Now you get on the internet and everyone's channeling, you know. Exactly. Now, <laughs> it's interesting you should mention Jane Roberts because yeah. she was one of my very early influences in the 70s when I was really seeking to be understanding of these concepts. I was already drawn to them. Jane Roberts, and strangely enough, Cosmic Awareness were the two sources that I derived the most benefit from, the most education from. They altered my world perception of how to see world, how to see life. They were, right from the 70s onwards, two very influential areas. Jane Roberts, I read all of her books Mm -hmm. in the mid-70s. Cosmic Awareness, I should explain here because this is fundamental to explaining what I channel. Yeah. Okay. Cosmic awareness is a force in consciousness. It is not an entity. It is not a being. It is, as you said, a, a stream of consciousness. 
that comes from, as I understand it, the 12th dimensional levels. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was already channeling through an agency, an organization called Cosmic Awareness Communication from, it was actually Washington State, through a man called Paul Shockley. They'd been going since 72. I discovered them in 78 Mm -hmm. and became a member shortly thereafter. So I was getting these newsletters once a month, and they contained so much information. Now, I should also mention that cosmic awareness was also the force of consciousness that Edgar Cayce, the famous American sleeping prophet, mm-hmm. channeled. But he's, he was doing it in the 30s and, and been into the 40s, I think. His understanding was quite different. It's, mm-hmm. it's a developing force, a developing awareness that when I was simply a member of Cosmic Awareness Communication, CAC, and reading this material from Paul Shockley, it elevated me. And then I started to develop myself, as you know. But when I became the channel, and I'll talk about this later, it it became something different to what it once was. Well, always. It's interesting how we're attracted to who we are. As humans donning a mind and an ego and that part of us that says you're not enough and you're not good enough and who are you to speak up and all those thought forms that we've all indulged in, right? Mm-hmm. What you're attracted to is who you are, you know. It's like what you see is me. It's like when you see something you hate, when you see something you love, it's all within, it's all you. It's all what you're playing with. And you were attracted to cosmic. I was attracted, interestingly enough, I I think I heard about the, uh, what's his name, the guy that first was? Paul Shockley. No, the other guy? Oh, Edgar Cayce. Edgar Cayce. So Edgar Cayce is really famous. And I heard about him, I think, before the Seth books. And I Mm -hmm. bought them, but I didn't read them. It's like I wasn't attracted to them, but the set books, like you, I was. I used to carry, you know, the nature of your reality around in my handbag. It's like mm-hmm. I just had to have it close to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, Absolutely. I just had to have it like next to me the whole time. Yeah, yeah and the same consciousness that streamed through Esther Hicks and, and Jane mm-hmm. Roberts streams through me. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting. I was attracted to that and that's what I'm bringing through and you are attracted to cosmic awareness and that's what you're bringing through. It's mm-hmm. so fascinating, isn't it? That oh, who would ever think way back then that that would happen? I would never have thought that. Mm, that's right. But we are drawn to the very things, the people, the events, the circumstances that we most need in our life mm-hmm. to attain and complete the life mission, if you will, the purpose of our life. It's all there. It's all contained. If for our, in our case here, for the two of us, this had a spiritual leaning. For most, it doesn't necessarily have a spiritual leaning. It may be a life of service. It may be a life of indulgence. I don't know, because each person, each soul that comes onto this planet has their own life purpose. Mm. Something already kind of set up in a broad sense before they've ever entered in onto this planet. Oh yeah, we organize it all in our, you know, in our planning yeah. session before we get here. Mm. We have a uh, definitely a um plan we have a plan i agree we don't always fulfill that plan you know the ego no we don't the mind Mm -hmm. and uh free will exactly has a mind of its own and it's but i think you know i just i had a session with someone this morning Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this and she was just really wanting to come back to knowing who she was but at the same time her mind was saying but how do i know any of this spiritual stuff is true i mean what if it's all just 
crap? What if it's all I'm just what you know? So that's the questioning mind that really takes a grip of you and, and yeah. questions everything. And yeah, yeah. and it's like so you've been listening to she's a great Abraham fan. You've been listening to Abraham for fifteen years. What keeps you listening to Abraham? There's some inner knowing that knows, even though the questioning mind is like driving you crazy. You know, there is just something that keeps you going and keeps yeah. you keeps you listening, keeps you there. Like you would have had that journey, I would imagine. It's been a oh, long journey for you. Absolutely. And, I, and probably lots of traumas and struggles along the way, I'm sure. There certainly was. I mean, I was born Catholic. Yeah. My father wasn't a devout Catholic, but my mother was. So she yeah. believed that, you know, you should follow the Catholic faith. Luckily, she didn't push us like some devout Catholic mothers do. <laughs> but... It was still there. That's what I grew up with. So when I started reading the Jane Roberts material and Seth and everything, yeah. I went through a small phase of, oh, what if this is the devil? What if it's about the satanic beings trying to mislead me? Luckily, that only lasted a few weeks. <laughs> and it was like out the window. It's like, oh, come on. You know? you know, it's funny that you say that. I get a little bit of that on the YouTube comments. Because, uh-huh. you know, if I don't mention Jesus or the Bible, I'm definitely channeling the devil. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Exactly. But let's so, remember one of the names of uh, the devil is Lucifer, the light bringer, the yeah. carrier of the light. It's much more complex than this uh, static dichotomy of good and evil and God and the devil. Not necessarily going into that right now, but it's it's an embracing of the everything of the divine and that incredible positive understanding that we are something much greater. You you said that people ask, what if it's this? What if it's the devil or whatever? The devil made me do it. (laughs) What if it is true? What if it is that spark of the truth that, that is resonating when you read anything from Abraham uh, to, you know, cosmic awareness, let's say, yeah. mm-hmm. that is speaking to you at some deep, powerful, intimate level of your own being? What if it's you yourself speaking to you, mm-hmm. the you that comes from the higher dimensional state of consciousness? I believe we're all multidimensional beings. I believe that we are directly connected to the God spark. And it burns so fiercely within us. Mm-hmm. It is that deception, that illusion that we have been programmed to believe in that is the question, what if this isn't so? Yeah. What if? Yeah. But if we toss that one completely 180 degrees and say, yes, but what if it is so? Mm. You know, then I remember in my journey, yeah. I did a personal growth course and one of the concepts in the course was it's like nothing is true in the universe. Uh, I can't remember how they put it. The universe is meaningless and empty. That was the concept. The universe is meaningless and empty and you make meaning. You are, you know, making meaning out of all of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on one level I got that, that we're the creators, we're the mm-hmm. artists, we're the painters of our life mm-hmm. and we're mm-hmm. painting with our thoughts, with our being, with our, with our soul and with our mind and with our bodies in every aspect. Mm-hmm. Right, But that concept of what if it's all meaningless, there's no meaning. And I remember I fell into a deep depression, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if it's meaningless, then what's the point? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, there's no meaning. What's the point of getting out of bed every day? Absolutely. Um, yes. My mind really grappled with that concept. You know, then I arrived at, well, if it's meaningless, 
then I'm making the meaning and Mm -hmm. so I make the meaning of my choice. So what turns Mm -hmm. me on the most, what lights me up the most, what excites me the most, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the meaning I'm driving my life with. And so that's kind of liberating. It is. But at the same time, I was depressed for like weeks after that. It's meaningless. What's the point of getting out of bed? Well, that is exactly the kind of... I do believe that every one of us are programmed with the beliefs and consciousness that we work with in this life. But I believe we also come with a program that we're supposed to run throughout the course of our life. But if that is reduced to something that it's all meaningless, even if you give it meaning, then that really disconnects us even more than the disconnect that already exists with spirit, with our own spiritual being. being. I choose to believe it's not meaningless at all. There's tons of meaning, but each of us has a blank slate. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a paradox because Mm -hmm. we come in with an agenda, a purpose, a plan, and yet we have free will, Mm -hmm. free choice Mm -hmm. to make alternative decisions. Even though we're supposed to be going this way, you know, we can go that way. (laughs) So it's not a meaningless thing. It is a blank slate that has a kind of template etched into it Mm -hmm. of the direction to go. And then you can give it that meaning. You can go in that direction Mm -hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. What is kind of interesting is even if you don't go in the direction you're meant to, you're still going to learn certain spiritual lessons that you'll take back with you. Yeah, for sure. So it's never meaningless. <laughs> yeah, it's never meaningless. No. Yes, it is a paradox. Life is a paradox. And that's the thing that's most confusing to our linear minds that's trying to work it all out. Mm. Yeah, I remember Deepak saying, you know, nothing matters because nothing is matter. And that's something Mm. that I found very helpful when I'm making something matter that doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is also in line with Eastern philosophies that it's all Maya, an an illusion. And I believe that. I think this reality is an illusional state. But I also believe that when we're right here in the middle of it, focused on it, and our programming, our beliefs, our attitudes, everything is structured to a third dimensional reality that we have no control in, that is based on the concept of pain and suffering, where we are victims and where everything happens to us. You know, it's hard to say it's all an illusion when you've got to pay the bills. Yes. You know? So it's a weird thing because it may all be an illusion, but unless you change your concepts or your programming, your beliefs, unless you can do that, you're going to be very stuck into the story of your life mm-hmm. as you interpret it. It's wonderful to be able to look at a life. I look at mine, you look at yours, and see the turning points of our lives. Yeah. See how by taking that journey, it took us in a direction, and then we made a choice, and then we went this way. But if people don't get that, then they are stuck in that falsehood of a life they think is about pain and suffering and lack and depression and, Mm -hmm. oh, it could get really negative. (laughs) I choose not to go there. I remember when, you know, years ago I heard that concept that's all an illusion. And you're right, to someone who is believing their thoughts, who's navigating life through their five senses, 
And then I think our most powerful sense is our sixth sense, actually, because mm-hmm. that is our emotional sense. And then we experience life through that sense. I mean, we mm-hmm. see life through our eyes and we hear it through our ears and we smell and touch and taste, but we experience through what we feel. Mm-hmm. You know, like, did you have a good time on your holiday? No, it was crap mm-hmm. because I felt <laughs> crap. You know? The person next to me had the best time. I had the worst time. What was the difference? Two different mm-hmm. feelings. So we experience life through what we feel. Mm-hmm. We perceive it through these senses, but we experience it for, through our most powerful sense. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm getting off track. but Because I wanted to come back to your story. Yes. What kept you on the path? Ah, that's an interesting question. I think the experiences of my life kept me on my path. The people I met, the events of my life, the uh, challenge. But mostly, it was this deep, intuitive knowingness that there's more. Yeah. That there's more. I don't know what it is, but there's more. And so, what I did discover, as I said to you, I I lived in Germany for eight years. And I chose to actually then to live in England, because I'd gone in 82 to England, had these most amazing experiences went to Glastonbury, the famous uh, festival there, Mm -hmm. met these people. And in a flash of the eye, well, a bit more than that, it was a two-week journey, I suddenly thought, I want to live here. I want to live in England. Now, I had been working for NATO forces in Germany uh, as a civilian, and it was like, I've been here long enough. And there was something inside of me that said, the next stage of your journey is in England. It wasn't a voice. I've never had a voice in my head speaking to me. I don't channel that way. I don't work that way. I just had a feeling. You said it a moment ago. This is where I need to go. So I I shipped all of my stuff from Germany back to Canada, went back to Canada in 90, almost got detoured to stay in Canada. And then I remembered, no, everything in me wants to go to England. So I hauled myself out of Canada and went to England and lived there for 10 years. Wow, 10 years. You know, it's interesting. I was in England in 82 too, and I uh, I lived there for about, I don't know, a few months, maybe a year. I can't mm-hmm. remember. I didn't want to stay there. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's where the journey continued is all I was going to say. And you were working as a psychic in England? That's where I started. I'd already uh, picked up my first deck of cards before I ever went to Germany. Yeah, I actually abandoned the cards. I, I was doing them for a while, and I, I suddenly had this realization, this in early days, that I didn't want to take these cards and start using them for just mundane things, like, should I go and do this today? Oh, let me get the cards out. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I abandoned those cards yeah. because of that. I do not want to become a slave to them. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, this is when I was still living in Germany, but I was in Paris on a little holiday, and I was walking along some Parisian street, and I look, it's a bookstore, I'm looking, and there's this Rider Waite deck that I'd always wanted to get, but I'd never found. And I went into this French shop, couldn't speak a word of of French, and then somehow conveyed to him I wanted this tarot deck, and I got it. And that's when I really feel that I got more serious about really learning the cards and intuitively developing. Now, this is important because later on in England was when I professionally started. So 
that deck I bought, but it was a full 16 years truly before I ever did my first professional reading that I asked a fee for. Mm -hmm. And the first time I asked a fee, uh, an amount, I asked for three pounds, five pounds. And I thought, oh, who's going to pay me that much money? You know? <laughs> three or five pounds. <laughs> three or four so pounds. Think, you know? After years of being a reader, what do you find are the most common questions? I, I used to, you know, I started on radio with a professional psychic. And although I work as a psychic, I've never worked as a fortune teller. But mm, I say to people, I don't tell your future, I tell you how to create your own future, which is very unsatisfactory for many people mm, because mm. they're like, no, tell me that my lover is going to come or the money is going to come, you know. So 30 years of doing that, what were, the mo what were people asking? Like, what was the number one question? Yeah, that's a really interesting question in and of itself because I didn't do the normal, traditional fortune-telling stuff. I've okay. never called myself a fortune-teller. I've hardly even called myself a psychic because it was always about bigger issues right. for me. So they would come in and it, it was like the, the reading developed in such a way that they were given certain information. Yeah. I didn't even ask them for questions. Yeah. But I did find those few times where people wanted to know who is my lover going to be and am I going to win the lottery and all that. I didn't do very well with that because I didn't do that kind of reading. Yeah. For me, it was like you. It's like, do you want to understand who you are? Do you want to understand the nature of this issue? A yeah. very good example of that it was one of the very first readings I ever did. It was one of these three-pound readings. And two women came for a reading at the home where I was living at that time. And I did the first reading. The girl was great. She loved it. It was a really strong reading for her. And then I did the reading for the other woman. And she did have these questions. When am I going to find love? When is the tall, dark stranger going to enter my life? All of that kind of traditional stuff. And everything I was telling her, Oh, no, that's not right. No, that's wrong. Uh-uh, uh-uh. And what I was seeing for her is she had some big issues. Yeah. You better solve those issues. Work on that. Understand what you're doing to block it in the first place. And then love will enter. Okay? Mm -hmm. She couldn't have it. And then there was a knock on the door and her car was blocking our neighbor's drive. So she had to go out and move it. And while she was gone, her friend said, everything you said to her was true. <laughs> everything she just doesn't want to see it yeah 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 I know I get that <laughs> you know and so from an early point that was a lesson to me I'm not actually paid you were not paid nobody's really paid to predict someone's future although that's what we think it is yeah I can only give to a person even when I channel cosmic awareness I can only give what I'm getting that's it it may be right, it may be wrong. As it happens, more often than not, it's pretty correct. Mm -hmm. But I do not stand there as the ultimate authority. I never could understand these psychics who say, I'm 95% accurate. It's like, yeah, and in which life? <laughs> <laughs> How if do you, you know that? <laughs> if you believe your thoughts, you're 100% accurate. <laughs> exactly. Positive or negative, you get to be right, right? I think Henry Ford said that. Whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you just get to be right. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't always mean that that's the best thing. Yeah. You know? If you believe you're right, you don't have that room for the experiences of life mm -hmm. that are not the 
successes. In fact, I totally believe that it's our failures, our mistakes that we learn the greatest amount from. Yeah, well, it's interesting being a, a channel. I think the most empowering thought mm-hmm. is I don't know. Because I think that when you think you know something, that's that mm-hmm. egoic mind that's kind of got a hold of you. Whether you mm-hmm. whether it's something that you think that you know that's beautiful or, or negative, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. in that I don't know, which is how I turn up for every session and mm-hmm. every interview. Mm-hmm. It's in that I have no idea what's going to happen. You know, I might have mm-hmm. an outline. I might think I want to ask this or I want to do that. But I always turn up with I don't know and let's see what's going to happen. Like this is an adventure. Mm-hmm. And that empties you, that opens you, that I don't Mm -hmm. know. It just opens you to being available for what comes through you and what happens in the moment. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than a closed mind. Mm -hmm. And we've had those experiences, I'm sure you've had them too, where you get someone and they're closed. They Mm -hmm. have the perception of how it's supposed to look. Mm -hmm. And if you don't give them what they are expecting, then you're not a good reader. Well, when I have had those few times when I've had those kind of clients, I've just had to say, I'm sorry, I can't read for you. Here's your money back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we have exactly that situation in life with our experts, our authorities, our scientists, our professionals. This is why it's so hard, those of us who are spiritually inclined, to talk to people, normal people, put that in quotation marks, normal people who don't believe what we believe. It's all right if they're at least open, but if they have a closed mind, which so many do, doctors, my God, try to talk to them about vaccinations and stuff like that. Those closed minds are what actually prevent an individual from moving forward. But you can't convince them that. They have to come to that understanding somehow on their own. It's not up to us to convince them because those closed minds are souls on a journey, just like we're souls on a journey. And and Mm -hmm. broader perspective has a way of opening minds. I mean, I think, I don't know if you've watched any of my latest interviews, I had Dr. Marie Batchelor on who is this doctor Mm -hmm. doctor and married to a surgeon and just Mm -hmm. this perfect three-dimensional life in the mansion with the swimming pool and the tennis court, closed mind, very closed mind. Why would it open? My life is perfect. Why Mm -hmm. would I open my mind? And then a car hits and squashes her yeah, beautiful tragic. boy. His yeah. name was William. William. <laughs> but he, he also is her spirit guide now and many other things. So mm-hmm. that sort of tragedy needed to happen to open that mind, you know. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that if we open our minds, we can avoid those types of tragedies. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, we may still have challenges and even Always. sometimes tragedies. But it's like... How are you going to look at this? Mm-hmm. Are you going to look at it in, in the traditional way of I'm the victim, this has happened to me, mm-hmm. life's about pain and suffering? Or could you look deeper into that, which is traditionally called the silver lining, to find meaning? What is the gift of any experience you have, be it a positive, powerful, uplifting one, or one that, that hits us hard? My mother died two months ago. Mm-hmm. In- It was such a shock because she had a a heart attack and went very quickly. Now, I have my own feelings and thoughts and beliefs on that. So I didn't feel a loss with my mother. I knew she just transited. Mm -hmm. But it was still raw emotion. Mm -hmm. An absolute 
gut-wrenching and choking emotion that would well up. It's like suddenly it's, you can't, we, those of us who've had the experience know what I'm talking about here. But at the same time, I also held, there is this gift here. My mother's given me a gift and I'm still working on that one of the gift of my mother's death or passing. And it's okay. I'm okay. And I think that's what helps any of us get through is when we have that deeper understanding that there is something that is deep within this that is a gift that we can grow from, that we expand from. Definitely. And you've had your own challenges, Will, because Mm -hmm. if you're wondering why Will squints at the camera screen, it's not because the lights are too bright. It's because you're actually legally blind, aren't you, Will? Yes, I am. So tell me about that challenge. What was happening there? Well, this isn't a a situation that has occurred just overnight. Again, this is a long-term genetic predisposition. comes through my family. My brother has the same thing. It's called uh, RP, or retina pigmentosa. It originally starts as loss of capacity to see in the dark very well, and then peripheral vision. Sometimes they call it night blindness. But with the progression of it, it can uh, affect the central central field of vision, which it has. I was doing all right for many years, uh, struggling in dark situations. But in the last few years, uh, it definitely has deteriorated. Mm. But I choose not to look at that. I have always held, I have within me the capacity for self-healing, even Mm. something like this. Mm. Okay? And I've always realized that on another level, the fact that I have my eyes, uh, a lack of capacity with seeing, has also helped me work the inner vision. Mm. So I often say, yeah, my outer vision is not so great, but I have perfect 20-20 inner vision. Yeah, so that's the gift. That's it. It's a gift. Yeah. Now, that does not mean that the daily struggle of my life, where I'll turn around and and walk into something, or just can't see anything, doesn't challenge me. It certainly does. Yeah. It certainly does. But I don't judge myself i don't evaluate myself only in terms of my lack of eyesight in fact i feel quite the opposite that there is this gift that's involved as i said Mm. so so that's what i work with but i do not hold that it is incurable that i cannot change uh, my vision through restoring the the health of my eyes and everything yeah i just take that's who i am i do not Uh, judge myself or uh, say I'm a blind man I very seldom mention it to people Mm. mostly because I don't even think about it (laughs) yeah Yeah. yes well um, I remember uh, years ago I knew this writer he was um, I I think I don't don't know if he's still alive but he was one of Australia's oldest uh, diabetics because he'd been a diabetic for years and he went blind for a while. And he said that, you know, the senses that kicked in when he didn't have his sight were just so, they just strengthened so much in his hearing and his smell and his sensing sense, his emotional It just, all those other senses just became so much more heightened when he lost his mm. sight. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually regained his sight somewhat, somewhat. And, but he ha- he was left with that beautiful gift of, of knowing more intimately these other senses. Um, mm. He wasn't particularly into spiritual stuff. He, was, he wrote <laughs> novels and they were made into Hollywood blockbusters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, it was just interesting, that journey of, of having you mm. know, a sense taken away. 
But let's get into cosmic awareness. So mm. you were focused on it as a young man and, mm. and going to these meetings. When did it introduce itself to you? Well, as I said, I, I joined in 78. So I'd been uh, aware of the CA uh, energy for quite a while. But I was feeling always, what if I could do that? I have always, this is important to what's coming, been of the impression that while I can do it this way at this level right now, I can improve. Mm. I can get better. So mm. I've never been static in maintaining my level as this is what I do, this is how I do it, and only this way. Yeah. So in uh, the beginning of, of the 21st century, you know, from 2000 onwards, mm -hmm. I had a situation. I was married at the time, and uh, I'll just put it this way. We went separate ways. Mm -hmm. But it was after I separated that I really felt I would like to see if I can channel cosmic, cosmic awareness. What is interesting, and there is a huge story behind it, but what is interesting is at that time, I was actually then the official tarot reader for that organization I'd been involved with since the 70s. They also did tarot readings on the side. Okay. They had the person who channeled cosmic awareness, and then I became their tarot reader for many years. Right. So I was already more intimately involved with the group. Yeah. But here's what happened. The, the man who had been channeling, Paul Shockley, he had gone in another direction. They didn't have anyone for quite a while. Uh, the the one who was the owner of it, Avaton was his name, yeah. asked me in 2005, tail end of 2005, if I could do a, uh, a prediction for the year 2006. No, they don't call it predictions. Uh, awareness does not predict, okay? They just wanted to, to scope out the year. What's coming? What could be there for 2006? Energy forecast. <laughs> Yeah, uh, kind of an energy forecast, not <laughs> prediction. But and I thought, and he wanted me to do it with the cards. And I thought, no, I don't want to try it that way. I was already uh, doing some readings with people for past life information, where I just let information flow through. So I thought, okay, let's give this a go. And uh, I was doing that. I was giving information, and then suddenly it just kind of went up a gear. It's the only way I can explain it. And uh, this information was starting to flow. And then it was announced that it was cosmic awareness that was speaking through me. And that was like, where did that come from? Because when I had deliberately tried to do a channeling, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then it, it popped out. When I let it go, it's when it popped out. Look, classic laws of creation. You know, uh, first, as Esther would say, first we ask and you were asking, I want to channel mm. cosmic awareness. I want to channel. Mm. So we send out a desire into the universe. That's and right, then, yeah. you know, source orchestrates the details. And the details might be we're going to tune you up. We're going to give you some life lessons. We're going to make a girl break your heart. We're going to move you yeah. over to even for a while. You know, you're going to have some details, right? Orchestrates uh -huh. mm -hmm. the details to create the perfect environment for your desire to manifest. And in that place of allowing, in that place of letting go of the desire, the desire manifests. It's always, it's like you look for the lover and they don't come, you stop looking, looking and there. And that's when they show up. You look for the keys, you can't find them, you give up the ghost, there they are. It's like mm -hmm. in that letting go, in that allowing place, in that relaxing. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. it is. There's what you've asked for. Yeah. That's it. Exactly so. That's, so. That's it. Yeah. 
So once that happened, when I did that first little channeling of cosmic awareness for CAC, the organization, they asked me if I would want to try to do this now as their channeler, as the channel of cosmic awareness after all How the organization. How do you feel about that? Oh, I thought, yes. See, when I have been presented these opportunities, even though they're spooky and scary and it's like, oh my God, I still step into it. Yeah. I still say yes to it. Yeah. If I make it, it's good. If I don't, well, it's an experience. It's yeah. part of life. Yeah. It's part of the journey. Uh-huh. So I did say yes. And here's the funny thing. I was familiar with Paul Shockley. Before that, I had actually twice gone to the United States, to Olympia, Washington, joined the, the, them down there at CAC. There was something already connecting me to Paul Shockley and CAC at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to meet them all and Paul Shockley and uh, sit in with a a couple of the sessions he was doing as a channeler. And he had a very distinct way of going into his deeper state so he could channel cosmic awareness. And it involved lying down on a mat mattress. He had crystals around him. He had candles around him. He would hold a pencil until that pencil just dropped out of his hand. And that was an indicator for those who were there, who were uh, taping it, recording it, that he's gone to that deep state to connect with cosmic awareness. Mm -hmm. So when I started, I thought I should do it that way. After all, that's how Paul Shockley did it, my hero and mentor. (laughs) And so I'm I'm doing this for about the first year of lying down and trying to... uh, you know, hold a pencil till it dropped and and candles and everything. And I wasn't comfortable with it. But you know how we think it should look this way? Yeah. I thought it should look that way. And that went on until one day I was moving around kind of in distraction, trying to get settled. And I knocked one of the candles over and it fell onto a, a, a cushion <laughs> and it started to burn. <laughs> I put it out very quickly. But... <laughs> I was like, no, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And it was at that time I said, I'm, I'm going to sit up because something inside of me, and this is my trust level I've always had, was saying, you don't have to do it Paul's way. Just sit up and, and go into a relaxed state and see what happens. And sure enough, cosmic awareness came through. You know, you're really touching on something that you touched on before that I wanted to explore more. You were saying that Edgar Casey was what in the twenties and thirties was he, and yeah, something different was coming, yeah, even there. though it was the same stream of consciousness. And then Paul was touching on the same stream, mm-hmm. but something different was coming through him. I get this image of readers, like in the past when you wanted to contact the dead. You know, you sat in a dark room with a with a Ouija board, and it was all mm-hmm. so spooky because mm. limited awareness we had. We created all these rituals and and beliefs that what we needed to do in order for it to be possible. And Mm -hmm. as we're evolving in consciousness, of course, channeling or talking to dead people or doing readings becomes so much more normal, 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 normal. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, when I started channeling, I thought that maybe I needed to do some of those rituals that other channelers do too, like breathing or whatever ritual it was. But for me, it just came through like, bang, when someone asked me a question, there was the answer. Yeah. No ritual, no breathing, no centering, right. no nothing. And right. uh, at first I started to doubt myself because I didn't do the ritual. 
Mm -hmm. As we're evolving and energy is becoming more expanded, everything's just shifting and it's just becoming so much more mainstream and normal. And the information that comes through is different, even though it's the same consciousness, because we're being taught at the level that we can accept or understand or digest. Mm -hmm. So in the 30s, we were sort of in the dark, in a dark room with candles and Ouija boards and, you know, and even the tarot card has sort of, well, sorry if you still use tarot cards, but even that's had its day. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, yeah, ask me a question and source answers. (laughs) That's it. Exactly. And that, that it has become that way for me too. Yeah. I mean, I went through a progression of phases with it, of how to do it. Sitting up was a big step forward. Yeah. But then also realizing that the way it had been described to me of extending my consciousness into a seventh dimensional state of affairs, Mm -hmm. moving, projecting into that level of consciousness, was not how I did it. In fact, the challenges, and I have had several challenges in how I channel, has always been to actually realize it's a lot simpler than that. Yes. I don't have to do the rituals or this or that. I don't have to take myself to seventh. I do have a few things I kind of connect with when I uh, move into a state of consciousness where I can channel cosmic awareness. Mm -hmm. But it's not a ritual thing. Mm -hmm. I can snap into it very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And And, um, I'm just thinking of time, so I think we Mm. should... Yes, I was thinking that too. We should meet Cosmic Awareness. I don't really have too many questions for Mm -hmm. them, Mm -hmm. but we'll ask a couple of questions. Certainly. um, You're obviously not a trans channel, so you're you're there, you know, you're still there when you bring through Cosmic Awareness. Yeah, if we'd like to bring through Cosmic Awareness and a couple of questions. Thank you. Absolutely, I'll go with it. I just want to say Cosmic Awareness is not a predictor. It does not say it will be this, it will be that. It can only give you what it can see. Mm. It is a collective consciousness, so it's not really an well, him or They're the her. questions I wanted to ask it, so we'll... Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. We'll, we'll ask Excellent. cosmic awareness about itself. Excellent. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Let's see what awareness has to say about itself. Okay? Yeah, that's it. Okay, then give me just a minute. I'm just going to center, get myself connected here. That which is cosmic awareness is available and greets one and all at this time. Greeting cosmic awareness. Thank you for being here with us. So I'd like to ask you a few questions about how you exist, who you are, and where are you in a linear perspective so that our puny little human minds can understand It is interesting that you have asked for an explanation in linear terms when it cannot be explained in a linear manner. Yeah. However, it does require for most a linear type of understanding to come even close to an understanding at all of this awareness of the collective nature and consciousness. Mm Mm-hmm. Therefore, this awareness has used the expression of dimensionality as part of its explanation to what this awareness is and where it exists. As you know, this 
is the third dimensional level of reality you are experiencing here on this material planet, this physical reality. But exceeding the third dimension are those higher states of consciousness, those higher dimensional states. There is then the fourth dimension, the fifth, the sixth, and that this is explained by this awareness as extending to the 13th level. At the 13th level, that is the level of supreme consciousness, of divine source. That this awareness does not come from the 13th level, it comes from the 12th dimensional state. In a manner of speaking, this awareness is that consciousness that came into existence when that which was the supreme divine source consciousness first asked itself, what is out there? What can I experience? Now, yet again, the failure of the linear explanation for God in its completion is not an I. It is an everything. But still, this awareness came into beingness when that which is the source first sought to experience more than its own state of existence. Mm. Well, as we listen to you, everything is linear because we, even to talk about levels and, and numbers is a linear concept. And even to talk about beginning and first is linear concept. So it is hard to understand that there are no sort of levels, so to speak, and, and there was no beginning and no end. So it's, we're speaking to, I suppose, all that is, the Godhead. We're speaking to God, I suppose, in some people's language or I don't even know how to term it, cosmic awareness. What would be your main message to humanity at this time? This awareness's main message is to understand if you can, to seek if you can, the higher experience of your own being. This awareness is a collective source in consciousness. It is as if from the 12th dimension, it is the container that contains all other expressions within it of that which is consciousness on all levels. You are consciousness. While it is so that humans have been taught, and it is their naturalness to think in linear terms, you can also think in multidimensional terms, in exponential ways, in an exponential manner, to bring in your own greater being and your own greater truth. For you are truly part of that which is this awareness, and it is part of you. Mm. Therefore, this awareness would say to all, seek the greater aspect of your being. Trust and know that you are multidimensional in nature and you are only a focused personality in the identity you choose to experience. But there is more to you than this. There is this awareness that is part of you, just as you are part of it. And as you grow into the understanding of your complexity, 
you will realize the linear way is that which is also a dualistic path and that you must go to a unity consciousness, a trinary expression in conscious understanding versus a binary dualistic understanding. Mm-hmm. That this is what keeps people in that linear frame to move into a trinary or a unity consciousness will create that exponential way of experiencing life and your greater reality. Mm, definitely. So from your perspective, you said that God wanted to know itself and so it created individual aspects I suppose are not the words you used, but that's my understanding. When you reemerge back to, let's say, 12th dimension or 13th density or 12th density and you're a collective, so you're not an individual aspect, you're a collective or you're one with all, you still maintain an individual identity, yes? This is the paradox. Mm-hmm. You yourself, each human being themselves are also part of a collective personality, mm-hmm. immediately so. In the first place, although you think of yourself, each human thinks of themselves as this unique individual, they are actually a three-part being, a trinity being. There is that which is the you, you identify with that which is your identity. But then there is that part of you that is the subconscious, that works the body, that is the interface with third dimensionality. And then there is the third part, which is the high spirit self, a gateway to your multidimensionality. All three parts exist simultaneously, yet it is only the focus of the individual and the identity they hold for themselves that is recognized or identified with. As you start to release from this and open to your greater character, both at the subconscious level, the low self, as it is called, as well as the high spiritual self, you will find that what begins to happen is the realization that you are not only an individual, but you are part of a collective. Mm -hmm. You come from a collective that is the soul. This is why there are those who talk of the group soul or the soul family. You chose to express yourself from that collective soul into a focused personality. That is this being that you are experiencing and the life you are experiencing. Mm -hmm. You truly are spirit having a physical life experience. Mm -hmm. But most do not understand this and do not uh, connect to their soul. They disconnect and they walk through life truly as blind, deaf, and dumb individuals cut off from the very wondrous source of their own being. But as you begin to open up and understand, as you seek to know your higher nature, you realize that all is a collective within a collective within a collective. Mm. Therefore, even though you are an individual, you are a collective. You belong to a collective, that which is your group soul, the long soul as Jane Roberts, Seth, expressed it, is itself a part of another collective soul. And this collective soul then is also part of a greater collective, this moving all the way up until that which is this awareness is the sum total of all those collectives beneath it. Again, a linear term. 
Mm-hmm. It is not correct, mm-hmm. but it will suffice. Yes, and then this awareness itself is part of the collective that is divine source. Yeah. So just like the experiences in awareness are as diverse in this third dimensional physical time-space reality, so too when we re-emerge into a non-physical reality, we can have diverse experience and understanding. So, so for instance, the question is, you know, there are a lot of people on the internet saying, what happens when we die? And then there are a lot of people explaining a whole lot of different things. And it's as diverse an experience of understanding and awareness when we die as it is while we're alive, yes? Exactly so. What does change, though, is that veil that was in place in the physical that for most prevents the human from truly believing and accepting they are spirit having this physical experience. They wonder if they have a soul. They wonder if there is an afterlife. They do not have that immediate contact that is available to humans as they open up to their multidimensionality. This falls away at the time of death. Mm -hmm. And the one that was spirit having a life has a multitude of experiences beyond that, which was the physically limited experience that was being had previously. Mm -hmm. What is harder to appreciate is the unconditional love and joy that is immediately available to those who have moved back into the level of their greater collective being. Also, what must be understood is that as you move back, you go through the fourth dimension. And there is that place of the journey is of the return of the soul back to the greater soul, where delusional understandings that were held in the physical play themselves out. Yeah, absolutely. So what you're explaining, there was a book written years ago by a guy called Peter Richelieu called A Journey of Souls or A Soul's Journey, A Soul's Journey. Anyway, he was taken in his astral form to meet his dead brother who was experiencing what you've just spoken about in that he was having a physical life experience in his astral body, reconnected to the love that he is, but still wanting to experience himself as identity of who he was, as that he was a pilot shot down in Second World War. So we can have that experience of maintaining our physical astral identity so we look exactly the same and we can have like physical life experiences on one level and stay an individual focused personality And then we can have experiences like merging back with like a consciousness like who you are, like cosmic awareness, being not individual at all, but maintaining an individual aspect, but being whole, being um, connected to all things. So there's this variety even after we leave this physical body, yeah? Exactly. So what is important to understand here is that it is one's personal beliefs that are experienced both here in this third dimensional reality, but also in the fourth dimension as you are moving through those stages of mm, reincorporating yourself into the greater collective reality. If you pass from this physical with a strong sense 
a strong belief structure that it will look like this or it will look like that, you will experience this. It is why such books as the Tibetan and Egyptian books of the dead ever were formulated. They were instructions of how to pass through the bardo levels, as they are called. Mm -hmm. But if you do not have instructions and you pass thinking you should be punished because you lived such a sinful life, then it is highly likely that you may experience this punishment, even the extreme, such as hell itself being experienced, until you awaken to the truth that this is an illusion. Mm -hmm. There are ones who are working very hard to bring you through the illusionary state mm -hmm. and to reintegrate you back into the context of that which is a collective consciousness that escalates beyond the low levels into the total expression of the everything and the all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even experiencing, like there are a lot of people that believe that when we die, nothing happens, like nothingness. And there's been an example of a scientist who believed that, and when he died, he experienced the nothing. Exactly. Like there was nothing so, happening. <laughs> it was like nothing. I complete, but, but he was still aware that he was aware that nothing was happening until he said, what's happening? And then something happened. <laughs> so they, we do get to create, even when we're not in our physical body, what we believe in our physical bodies after we leave our physical bodies. Indeed, a perfect example. Why this is also of greatest import is because if you do not realize the capacity you have as a creator being, and you are ignorant of the state of consciousness you exist in that is multidimensional, that can draw to you in this physical experience you are having the very beliefs you hold. And if these are ignorant beliefs, if they are a program that has been installed in you, then it may well be that you spend your whole life suffering at the mercy of others or in poverty or in a state of beingness that is false. Mm. And until you begin to understand it, you will draw this into your life. It is the reality of the experience you are having. It does not mean it is reality. It is the reality of the experience you are having. Mm. And it is valid. Therefore, when you change your beliefs, that is when you will change your experiences. Mm -hmm. If you remove yourself from poverty mentality, that mentality that says, I am not good enough, I cannot make enough, everything is hard. When you remove yourself from such mentality and say, I deserve, I allow, I accept abundance in my life, it is only then that change can occur. Mm -hmm. If you choose to stay in a dark, miserable place, a negative a consciousness, you will experience such things until you choose not to experience it, as this man you described came to understand when he asked, what is happening? Yeah. So... What I channel through is how we are the creators of our reality, and I love channeling through that. But what I'd like to ask you, if this is all an illusion that we are creating with our beliefs, what is reality? What is real? In reality is whatever you choose to make it, to have the experience 
that you choose to have. But beyond our choice, what is reality? Beyond our choosing, beyond our creating the illusion, what is reality? This is a very difficult question to answer because, of course, the initial response is to go into that concept that reality involves that which is physical, Mm -hmm. that which is the experience when it is not. This brings one to the realization that perhaps reality is paradox. It is this and it is that. For one person, reality can indeed be the great suffering where so many bad things happen to them. For another, the brother or sister of the one who suffers so miserably, it may be the exact opposite. A glorious, wonderful adventure. It is attitude that is important here, along with beliefs. And if your attitude is that it is this versus that, then you will have a reality that gives you that which is the painful reality. It is why two members of one family can grow up in the same family with the same experiences virtually and have two very different concepts of what their personal reality is. This concept of reality is important because if you are the single focus personality that expresses the Godhead itself, having its own experience through you, as it does through all others, all other levels and layers of consciousness, then you, in terms of the reality to the divine source itself, are an expression of itself having an experience. The reality of the divine source is such that it encompasses everything and all that is, something that is absolutely and completely impossible to truly comprehend as a focused, single focused personality. One can intellectually conceptualize, but the actuality of the reality of God itself is quite different than the reality of the single focused personality mm. having the experience. Mm. Does this make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I think that uh, questions like that can only be answered when we reemerge, yeah? Exactly so. But one can have a feeling. One can intellectualize. Mm -hmm. This is the value of thinking and experiencing and imagining such things. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that the total experience can only finally be experienced when one is reintegrated into the ultimate source. But there are so many experiences between there and here, if you will. And because there's no such thing as linear time from your perspective, beyond this perspective, let's call it, uh, this is not the end goal either. So re-emerging back to the source is not the end goal It's like it's the end of the journey because that's a linear concept that we start here in this limited awareness and then we're travelling towards an expanded awareness where we're eventually one with all. There is just this play of focus, expanded awareness and one with all and then back to single-focused awareness. Would that be right? Because there's no time. 
This is correct. Again, a linear concept to try to uh, understand that which is the everything. Because I know a lot of spiritual teachings, you know, a lot of especially like Indian teachings, we're reaching for that nirvana, we're reaching for that that end goal. There's like there's somewhere that we're going, but there we're, we're not really going anywhere. We're already you there. You are already there, exactly yeah. so. And it is simply about focus. Focus. The linear concept of time, that it starts here and goes there, that if it is two o'clock in the afternoon in an hour's time, it will be three o'clock and then it will be four o'clock. This is a convenient way of structuring the focal experience, the focus of one's life. It is all about structure. It is artificial. That this awareness can say to you, it is not about you finally integrating back into this awareness or even into the God source itself. You have already done it. You are emanating from exactly the place of the divine source of this awareness and of all those layers and levels that exist underneath. Even the concept of underneath is a linear term. Mm -hmm. But if one understands at the very least that you are already coming from that place of divine source, then in this moment you can accept perhaps that you are divine source having its experience. You are part of the Godhead with its uniqueness, that uniqueness being the uniqueness of a focus to have this pinpoint experience that is all and everything to you, the focus personality having it, but to the divine source is simply one of the infinite points of focus and experience it is having it is difficult in a way to truly comprehend however one can certainly get a feeling for it and some intellectual conceptualization of it so before we end our communication for anyone suffering believing their stressful thoughts or suffering in any way what would cosmic awareness's advice be to them to have a more enjoyable experience while physically focused, to enjoy their life more? There is the easy answer and there is the difficult answer. Mm -hmm. The easy answer is choose not to have a painful life, a difficult life. Make a different choice. Choice. Choose. Mm -hmm. Choose. Choose. But for this to be so, you must accept you have the capacity to choose. Mm -hmm. You must stop holding that you are powerless Mm -hmm. and that you are a victim and that things happen to you and that it is a pain universe and not a pleasure universe. Religions have taught this for thousands of years, that this is a place, a planet of suffering and that there is an almighty presence, a God that will judge you. Mm -hmm. Can you let this go? Can you choose not to believe this and choose rather to believe perhaps there is another answer here and that I would like to find that answer? It is so simplistic to say, choose differently. And yet it is that exactly which is needed if one wishes to change. Choose differently. Accept that it is even an option to be able to do so in the first place. 
And as you start to do this, you will begin to see changes in your life. Mm. Affirmation is a way forward with this. As you affirm that you are receiving abundance and that life is opening for you, you will begin to see abundance flowing into your life. Perhaps not thousands and thousands of dollars for the misconception, the lie, the outright lie that money will solve all the problems must first be overcome in in order to move forward. Mm -hmm. But if you open to abundance and then things start to happen and you feel your life becomes more abundant, Mm. then the energies that you hold shift from that negative state that constantly reinforces the pain, the agony, the disbelief, the negative concepts held to one that allows possibilities, Mm. that allows the energy to flow, Mm. that allows your life to change if you choose to change it. Yes, I know we are deluded down here that the money will make the difference. But I think what we're asking for, especially when one is worried about money, is not for the money but to stop the worry or not for the money but to experience the feeling of freedom or to experience experience a feeling of uh, security and peace. And Remember, this comes from within. Mm -hmm. As you focus on the outside expression of your experience events that happen outside of you or your life and feel that you are trapped in them this awareness chooses to say to each and every individual you are the determiner you must learn to live at the very center of your circle of experience do not look outside of yourself for answers look inside That is where the connection to this source lies. That is where the connection to your collective nature lies. Mm. If you look within to find the truth of your own being, then you will understand that you are the creator being of your life. And as you begin to understand this and accept this more and more, this changes your life, not the events that are happening outside, which are often fear producing and keep one limited and restricted and dumbed down Mm. it is the awakening from within that is of the greatest importance and this is that spark as it has with you karen as it has with will that influences the choices made in life the journey that is taken whether or not one has the capacity to expand into the greater sense of themselves Mm. or not This is all that which comes from within. Beautiful. And, of course, as we shift our own focus and make different choices, because we are individual aspects, pinpoint focus, as you call them, we change the world. One pinpoint at a time. time. Cosmic Awareness, thank you so much for speaking with us today. This awareness is pleased that it has had the opportunity to express itself to the many who are part of this awareness. This awareness sends its blessings to one and all. Thank you. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Beautiful, lovely energy. Mm. I'm blissing out sitting over here, Will.
on the other side yeah. of Australia. <laughs> That's good. Lucy. That's something I can't wow. explain to people. You know, I can say awareness will give you understanding, awareness, it'll personal awareness. It will explain certain situations. But it's hard to explain to people when they're having a personal experience, whether it's a personal reading, as I do the personal readings for people, or a group reading like it's been today through the interview here. Mm -hmm. There is an energy that flows that's almost, it is tangible. That it, it is tangible. Is tangible and, and, and again, we spoke about choice and awareness. You have to choose it because you can sit there and watch it and go, I don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. Or you can just say, what if I did, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know and choose it and put your focus where you can feel it. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's ecstatic because it's almost it like, you know, orgasming. It's just an ecstatic. No, seriously, it's just oh, yeah, it going is. and going, wow, this is what it feels like to be dead, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you reemerge back to pure exactly. positive energy. And exactly. Static, blissful energy. Yeah. We don't have to die to have it, do we, Will? We can have it no, while we we're don't. physically we focused. And we all have it in, in odd moments. Obviously, there's the sexual orgastic energy that's released uh, at that kind of a climactic moment. Uh, but we all have had experiences. Mm. In our lives, we're out of the blue. Maybe we're looking at a sunset or a beautiful child laughing or something happens and we transcend that actual moment into something greater. Mm -hmm. And that's when the tingles. I get it all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you do when something I'm experiencing is of a greater nature, I tingle. It just mm -hmm. goes up and down. and mm -hmm. Doesn't this show us that we already are mm -hmm. connected to? And part of and, the and divine it, energies. And it illustrates that what we talked about with cosmic awareness was there's nowhere to go. We're already mm. there. We're already there. Yeah, it's not a journey from one place to the other. It's just an awareness of being there or not being there. That's right. Yeah. It's a matter of focus. Focus. When we focus here in this life, we're focused right now on this experience, this interview, yeah. our interaction, and this is the reality of our experience. That's it. In a moment, uh, and then I refocus. I went inward. <clears throat> excuse me. I went inwards, and awareness was able to come through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in a moment, I'm going to be somewhere else, having a different focus. Probably You're having lunch, probably. Lunch, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Will Berlinghoff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. We've been hey. uh, we've gone way over time, like it's an hour and a half, but that's fine. On you well, know. Thank I'm you for the opportunity. I hope you stayed with us while we. Uh, while we explored awareness and focus and consciousness. And thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you, Karen, for the opportunity. And thanks to everyone who's been listening today. Hope you got something from it. And remember, if you want to explore and open your awareness more, please join us for the Inner Sanctum webinar series that we put on monthly. I invite some of my favourite teachers from this show to come on and share their awareness. So you get to meet them, you get to ask them questions, and of course, we do a lot of deliberate creation talking about how we do flow our energy, how we can play with the focus and choice and be the genius creators, deliberate creators we came to be. 
So thanks again for joining me on ATP Media. Remember to subscribe and like and all that fabulous (laughs) stuff and leave your comments underneath on the YouTube or on iTunes. Check out some of my other videos. There are some great videos. All those people I mentioned, Garnet Schulhauser is amazing. I've got some more wonderful people to talk to coming up. And if you want to learn more about the law of attraction and how you are creating your reality or how to find more love, come and have a session with me. Check out my website, karenswain.com for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Yeah.